I'm one year sober as of yesterday. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Fred Ricciani of TSC. We have right here via Zoom a very special guest. You may know his work from Marvel's Jessica Jones, Dawson's Creek. And now he is the lead in Hashtag Unknown, directed by Lazaro Lazon, a psychological thriller also starring Master P, streaming now on Amazon Prime Video. We're talking to Hal Ozen. Hal, thank you so much for the time. How's everything going? The whole age thing. That's how you can tell how old someone is by what they recognize me from, right? So, like, <laughs> if it's your mum, it's Dawson's Creek, right? If it's your aunt, it's probably 90210. And if it's someone you know, it's probably Jessica Jones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for, for, for sure. And yeah. we hope that you get even more known in, ironically enough, hashtag unknown. Now Look streaming at that on Amazon. Segue. That's why they pay you the medium bucks right there, bro. There you go. You're an unknown, hashtag unknown as it's spelled on Amazon Prime Video, directed by Lazaro Lazon, worked with Master P, Romeo Miller. I had a chance to check out this psychological thrower. I've seen you in a number of different roles. You have some great range, my friend. Thank but you, man. This is one that really kind of takes you to new heights. Can you just talk a little bit about the film and why fans should check it out? Yeah, listen, it's an extraordinary little thriller. Um, it's one of those movies that really messes with your mind and keeps you guessing the entire time, which is, to me, the scariest thing. Like a jump scare, that's that's scary. But um, when you don't quite know what to think, you can't quite make sense of reality. I think that's the most terrifying thing of all. Kind of like living through a pandemic, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. And we won't, we won't give too much of the film away. We want people to check it out on Amazon Prime Video. But I talked to Laz before and Denise Boutet, who's also in the film, and they talked about it. how... Yeah, they're, they're great. And yeah. I, I, and we talked about the pandemic and how you guys had a film all throughout the pandemic, which I know hasn't been easy. I mean, acting, uh, theatrical arts have been some of the hardest hit professions uh, during this crazy time we're living in. So what was it like for you as the lead being in the midst of everything when, well, we didn't know everything about this virus? <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a there's a bigger question really here at stake, which is that um, you hit on something really interesting. That's what we do for a living, right? Is we we entertain people, which we're trying to move them emotionally. And you can't do that unless you have a stage. And our stages were taken away, whether that stage is a film set or that stage is a, um, a theater. We didn't have that medium. So it's been quite challenging for a lot of artists. And I think we're all really grateful to have made something during a period of time where most of our compatriots didn't really have that opportunity. Um, but look, making a film is, is difficult even at the best of times. Making an independent film is even harder, right? Less money, less time, more problems. Um, but I think everyone was driven by a real dedication to this movie. They all really believed in it. And whether it was from the grips to the top of the call sheet, everyone gave 110%, worked 16 hour days. Uh, and I think it shows in what we ended up with. I think we have a very special little film. What was it like for you working with the great Laz and Master P? <laughs> well, I never actually, I never actually had a scene with Master P. So like, here's this guy I've wanted to meet my whole life ever since I was a kid kicking around, you know, East London. Um, listening to rap but um i didn't get a chance to work with him lasriel on the other hand is uh one of the most hysterical people i've ever worked with in my life he looks like a linebacker <laughs> but he talks like the kid who eats paste you know what i mean he's got he's got a little bit of a lift like this you know very gentle man 
but he's an absolute giant. So it was really strange for me when he'd come to me with this sweet demeanor. I'd be like, hey, you know, I need you to do this scene slightly differently. And I'd want to argue, but then I'd take one look at his six foot six, 300 pound frame and be like, no, you're right. I play it that way. You know what I mean? He did tell me a funny story about when you guys were filming or, or trying to film this movie and everything. I, I don't know if you were a part of this at all. So I'll just, I'll just bring it up and you, you can fill in the blanks if, if that's the case. He, I asked him what was like an awkward moment filming the movie. And he said that they had cast uh, the lead actress in the film. And she, for whatever reason, even though there's no nudity in the film, just automatically assumed that there's nudity and went on this big tirade of like, you know, I, I can't believe there's nudity. I can't do this. And he's like, wait a minute. First of all, you've been nude in like every film. And then second of all, like, <laughs> there's no nudity in the film. Like at all. And anybody who that watches absolutely the film, happened. And anybody who watches this film, spoiler alert, there's no nudity in the film. So are you familiar with that story? And can you shed 100%. some light on that? <laughs> I'm, I met the lead actress, you know, we were talking about the role. We exchanged numbers. We're like, yeah, let's get together and, you know, talk this through and do some rehearsal. And then day one, I showed up and she wasn't there. I'm like, where's my wife? They're like, you don't have one right this minute, but we will work one out by the end of the week. Oh, so there I was shooting for almost an entire week with no wife. But in the end, we got the absolutely amazing Nicole Tom, who if you, you know, grew up watching The Nanny, she was on that. She's a wonderful, wonderful actress. Uh, and it all worked out for the best. But yeah, yeah, she just bailed on the movie because she thought someone was going to ask her to get her boobs out. And they weren't. <laughs> I got my boobs out, but I don't think anyone's tuning in for that. Uh, maybe some people who've been longtime fans you know you never know you never know but that it's like a minus a cup i don't know if anyone's doing it yeah but fair thank you for that so have you ever been a part of a film like that where something kind of wacky happens like that that's unexpected and then all of a sudden you have to pivot welcome to the world of independent filmmaking that's every day on set hmm. i remember doing a film a few years ago called redline uh which was uh it's a racing movie, but I used movie with uh, not a capital M. Um, and we we had a director on board who was an amazing director. Who's I'm not going to mention his name, but he was also an amazing actor who I've admired my entire life, sort of tried to model my career on, was absolutely blessed to work with. The only reason I did this movie was because this actor was going to direct it. And then, uh, yeah, I showed up on set and he'd been fired the previous morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah we, we we had i think we had no director for the first day there's just the crew trying to figure out how to shoot this thing and then the second day we had a brand new director we'd never met before so yeah. your advice to actors would be to adapt yeah or like you know get a law degree that would be the best <laughs> advice i could give yeah now speaking of, of life paths getting degrees getting into acting i'm curious for you because a lot of people know you of course from dawson's creek from jessica jones and soon from hashtag unknown but how did you break into the industry did you want to be an actor growing up it's total fluke i had no interest whatsoever in acting yeah i mean i've done a couple of school plays i think i played one of the three kings in the nativity play like that kind of thing <laughs> you know and then um I moved to Los Angeles when I was 18 to start a band. I had these visions of, of showing up uh, in a pair of leather pants and sort of becoming Jim Morrison overnight, except I had no plan. I just had the leather pants and um, I was broke. I was absolutely broke, you know, living on couches and whatnot. And a friend of mine had these super expensive sneakers on, some Jordans on. I'm like, man, how did you get those Jordans? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm an actor and I did a commercial and I made $100,000 for one day's work. I was like, what? 
He's like, yeah, I did a Coke commercial. It's been running for years, you know. So I'm like, that's the job for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I gate crashed an audition uh, for a commercial and I, and I got it. And then I got my union card and then I got another one and then I got another one. And then before I knew it, I was on a TV show called Dawson's Creek. Now that sounds super magical and like everything's been really easy, but the intervening 15 years, there's been a few ups and downs. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that's how I got started. It was a total fluke. And I, I wasn't in love with the medium when I became an actor, but I fell in love with the medium as I grew as an actor. And I really understood the craft and I really understood that acting wasn't acting at all. It was uh, being a human being in the most intimate and profound sense. And uh, it became something for me that became almost religious or cathartic. Uh, I can't imagine a life now where I wasn't acting, where I wasn't stepping inside the skin of another person. And it changed me, made me a much more empathetic human. Uh, So, yeah, that's my story. Actor by accident. And you mentioned the kind of ups and downs, the ebbs and flows and, and everything else. I mean, you did go through some tough times at first moving out to L.A. before you even I did. got on Dawson's Creek. And then you, you said you kind of went through some more stuff after that. So uh, for you, when you did get that role in Dawson's Creek, did it did it kind of feel easy at first? It was like, oh, man, like I'm going to get these roles like forever. Or did you, did you have to learn the hard way or did you understand after kind of couch surfing? that OK, this is going to take some real work if I want to be here for a while. Well, I definitely didn't think while I was on the set, oh, this is easy because I was completely out of my depth. Do you know what I mean? I'd been thrown into the deep end of the pool. So I was just convinced I was going to get fired every day that I was on set. And as it ended up, my role ended up being more or less two seasons. Um, Yeah, look, any artist, unless you're extraordinarily lucky and you, you know, sort of hit the big time day one and just maintain it forever uh, and or end up having Tom Cruise's career, I think every artist constantly struggles with how do I sort of stay faithful to this religion, you know, because it's a vocation. That's what it is, right? right? How do I stay faithful to this and still eat? And then you just sort of learn that, you know, some weeks you're eating filet mignon and some weeks you're eating top ramen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and look, the thing is, is it doesn't matter what, and I've, you know, I'm very lucky, but, it doesn't matter what successes you have next week, everybody's already forgotten. So last year I had a movie that hit number one at the box office that I was the second lead in called Infidel. Uh, And then, you know, by, by January of 2021, everyone was like, Oh, what's he been in lately? You know, one of those moments. So you just roll with it. It's, and I think it's good too, because it keeps you searching and it keeps you hungry as an artist to never get complacent and rest on your laurels. You're always trying to get better at what you do. You're always like, that's the only thing you can control is can I be a better actor, a better singer, a better musician? Can I write better songs? Can I write better scripts? You know? And I think that's where the best art comes from. What's life like for you nowadays being a part of the Marvel universe? And what was your experience like on Jessica Jones? Well, look, I was a complete fanboy before I ever got cast mm-hmm. on the show, right? Uh, and I remember calling my best friend and I screaming down the phone because I was going to be in the Marvel universe. <laughs> and then everything was kept really secret, right? So when I auditioned for the thing, I had no idea it was Jessica Jones. And then I got the job and I was told the name of my character, but nothing else and not sent any scripts. So I had no idea, mate. Was I going to be a superhero? And my first question on set was, do I have powers? <laughs> and the answer obviously was no. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess. But um, 
yeah, it was unbelievable. It's like, look, it's the modern, it's the mythology of our age, right? DC and Marvel is to us what the Greek and Roman legends were to them. It's it's our mythology. So it was an absolute honor to be a part of it, even a small part of it. Yeah. And then as far as my life changing, it's another one of those same stories. You know, you do it. It's great. Everybody wants to hire you for the next thing. And then six months later, everyone's moved on. And I think the reason is because there's more content now than there has ever been at any point in human history. You know, there were decades where we only had four, five, six channels on TV and then cable came along and all of a sudden we had 50. Now there are thousands of ways to get your entertainment. But look, that's great too, because that content needs to be filled. You know, those slots need to be filled, which means more and more artists get to work, more and more artists get to express themselves, and we get to build a culture. Definitely. And I, and I, and I feel like too with the pandemic, even though it did hurt acting and, and theater and just arts in general, in a way, I think it made people appreciate it more because let's keep it real. Life's kind of boring without art. That's right. What did we all do? We all turned on Netflix. That's exactly what we did during the pandemic. We couldn't work. We couldn't see our families. We couldn't attend funerals or go to weddings of the people we love the most in the world. Our best friends were the artists on our screens. Um, And it's, I think, an important thing to look at. It's an important lesson. Um, The first thing man did when he got a cave, like when he got shelter, Mm -hmm. is after he hunted the mammoth, he painted on his cave walls or he told stories around the fire, or he sang songs and beat a drum. Art is as integral to the human experience as breathing. It's part of us. And I think we can very often sort of denigrate or downgrade the importance of artists or crack jokes about get a real job or whatever it is, right? But um, we're providing something that's absolutely essential. It's sort of spiritual. It's spiritual therapy, you know, for the the culture as well as the individual. You know, that sort of brings me to another little pet topic of mine I just want to touch while we're on it. We're living in a very strange age with Mm -hmm. with cancel culture, right? Um, I don't want to get political necessarily, but art does you a favor. Whether you agree with that art or violently disagree with that art, it's always doing you a favor. It's keeping the topic alive. It's keeping human beings human, like keeping us empathetic. Mm -hmm. And it's providing a very important role in society. So if we just go around canceling artists because their art offended us, I think we're losing a part of our, a part of our soul as a people. You know, mm-hmm. I think um, the more points of view that are expressed, the more different points of view that are expressed, uh, the richer the world we live in. Now we always like to do kind of a lightning round, rapid fire, and some random questions just to get our know, just to get to know guests better. Are you ready? Let's go. Favorite late night snack or cheat meal? Pizza. Mm. What kind of pizza? Uh, it doesn't matter. Just as much cheese and meat on it as possible. My New York, New Jersey side is going to come out here. It's extremely biased. But have you had <laughs> pizza here? Yeah, well, I lived in New York. I lived in New York okay. for you know eight months doing Jessica Jones and another six months doing the blacklist. And it's all I ate. Okay. It was just pizza and then hit the gym and try and work it off, you know? <laughs> Good man, good man. Okay, yeah. just just making sure you had real pizza. That's best, all. Pizza, best pizza in the world on the East Hell Coast. Yeah. No doubt about it. No Thank doubt. You, Thank you, yeah. sir. We concur. What would you say is your most underrated movie or TV show you've worked on? Do I have to say hashtag unknown because that's what we're here to promote? You say that? Sure. Hashtag unknown. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Another kind of random tidbit on your IMDb I noticed is that you did voiceover work for the video game Killzone. I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
I'm a huge gamer. We cover gaming extensively as well. We've oh, been cool. to E3 in, in LA. So I got to ask you, what was that experience like? So weird. It was like being on acid. <laughs> you are in a big, massive warehouse, like a hangar, like an airport hangar, in a you know nylon one-piece leotard with a weird headset with darts all over your face, acting to no one. It's the strangest thing I've ever done. Do you play video games at all? No, I'm not much of a gamer. I think it's a generational thing, mate. You know, so like Sega was happening when I was gaming. It was okay. Sonic the Hedgehog, you know. Yeah, he, he's the OG for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what do you, so what do you like to do for fun? Uh, yeah, so listen, for me, art is my everyday, all my things, whether I'm working or not, right? So if I'm not acting, I'm writing, uh, I'm playing guitar. There's my, there's my axe in the corner over there. I don't know if oh, you can cool. see it. Cool. Yeah, uh, that's what I do, man. And so... Yeah, I don't I don't need a hobby because my life is my hobby. What's the best piece of advice you give anybody looking for success? Don't look for success. Look to be as good as you can be. I love that. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Yeah, look, I mean, fame is meaningless, right? So fame is meaningless. And if you if you're if you're if you're looking to be recognized, if you're looking for approval uh, or admiration, you're going to change chasing that thing. You're going to become different, right? You're going to, you're going to change yourself to suit the admiration. And it, and it just doesn't work. It's kind of like when someone wants you to like them really badly, you can't help but kind of pull away a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, or someone's asking you out and they call you and text you 150 times. You're like, pass. You can't chase that thing. I think all you can really do is be the best version of yourself every day and then i think success will find you great advice right there and i gotta ask you because we we have you here we appreciate your time you have unknown of course streaming now on amazon prime video are there any other upcoming projects you'd like us to know about there are actually i am i have written a couple of projects that have just been picked up as television projects that should be coming to you soon and i'll tell you what if you hit me up i'll make sure i come and talk to you first the moment they're public and announced Hell yeah, man. I appreciate that, Hal. Thank you so much for the time. Before we let you go, where can fans find you online and keep up with everything? Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram as Hal underscore Roseanne. Occasionally I tweet, same, uh, same handle. Uh, I'm around. Come find me. Come say hi. Awesome. Come find him. And of course, check him out as the lead in hashtag unknown, now streaming on Amazon Prime Video.